So in the late 80s, they were still relatively unknown, mm. right? Yeah. Uh, they were sending some materials out, but not much, um, and they weren't really making waves. Yeah. However, in 1992, Apple White recorded a 12-part video series, which was broadcast by satellite, and got some new converts to join up. Oh, no. But they didn't stay long, because <laughs> it was stupid. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to We Talk About Dead People, a podcast where we pick two dead people and talk about their lives. I'm your host, Aaron C., and I'm here with my good friend and co-host, James D. Say hi, James. Shit, we're almost out of dead people to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think that's going to happen for a very long time. Uh, We hope to keep our listeners entertained and interested while we break down these characters from the odd and exciting family that is humanity. The way this works is that James and I will do our amateurish best to give a basic account of the major events in these people's lives and how they responded to them. We also hope to give a fairly accurate depiction of their individual character, which is harder to do, but we're going to try anyway, so... So, James, who do we have this week? We have Marshall Applewhite and Garrett Morgan. I like both those names, but will I like both these people? Uh, you'll like at least one. And approximately how many of them are cult leaders? Uh, approximately one. Excellent! That makes me incredibly happy. Happy, happy, happy. I, uh... Happy! Jesus. I think it's time to head down to the history lab with all paste! a trailer, but I believe there's a cult leader in here, and... and an inventor... (sighs) Shit, this is embarrassing. So, James, tell me, if you had to invent a less lethal weapon of some kind, what would it be? Uh, A less lethal weapon? Yeah, like a beanbag shotgun or something. Ah. Yeah. What would it be? Uh, the Book of Mormon. (laughs) (laughs) And how would you use that? Just throw it at him? No, no, definitely not. Oh! Uh, I would use horses, and then I would tie the Book of Mormon to the horse tails. Okay. And just have the horse, like, shoot a gun and just have the horses run throughout the city spreading the Book of Mormon. Oh! Um, yeah. Wow. Yes. Wow. That's what I would do. Wow. Well, that's good. What about you? Uh, just a beer bottle. <laughs> just throw them, <laughs> throw it at the person, doink, and <laughs> it bounces off their head. Perfect. Yeah. So, uh... Computer, please bring up Marshall Applewhite and Garrett Morgan. So, tell me, Aaron, what was Marshall Applewhite best known for? Marshall Applewhite is best known for leading the Heaven's Gate cult and being featured on every single podcast that talks about religion ever. Fuck. <laughs> yeah, you know, you want to know what my theory is? Sure. We, we've covered a lot of cultists. Yes. But you especially have. Yes. So my theory is that you're just covering these cultists because you want to learn some tips. Yeah, maybe. Later on in life. Oh yeah, I'm going to start a cult. You know I am. It's, oh, it's not even a secret. No, it's, it's right there on my shirt sleeve. Look, it's right there on my sleeve. Look. Oh, shit. What did you write that in? Uh, sand Apple spread? juice? <laughs> uh. Anyway, so what does uh, Marshall Appoy look like? Well, he looks like Mr. Clean aged poorly. Uh, wide crazy eyes, deep facial lines, gigantic, I mean it, oh. gigantic ears, eyebrows you would never want near your children, oh. a mouth like a coin slot, and well, that's all, not a weird looking dude at all, but suspicious. 
suspicious. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, what was Garrett Morgan best known for? Garrett Morgan is best known for being a famous African-American inventor and hero. Ah! Yeah. What did he look like? Uh, he looks like the man who would stop his car and pull over to help you fix a flat tire. Oh. Just a neighborhood good Samaritan, and he's black. Oh, oh, uh, why does that matter? This, <laughs> this will come up later, because it turns out that racism actually has a pretty <laughs> big spot in good old American history. Yay! No, not yay. No, no not, not yay. yay. Not yay. <laughs> but nay. <laughs> but nay. Yes. So, uh, what do you say we just roll right over to Marshall Applewhite's early life? Let's do it. Okay, so Marshall was born in Texas in the town of Spur, which, uh, yeah, it's Texas, so there. <laughs> Spur. <laughs> he was born on May 17th, 1931, in that era between the Great Wars. Mm. Uh, he had three siblings. Uh... He was the son of a Presbyterian minister. Okay. And because I'm lazy and can't afford books, Wikipedia says rather blandly that he became very religious as a child. Uh, okay. Well, yeah. we which, have that. Which, like, I, <laughs> what does that mean? I, I gotta know what that means, but he was just very religious as a kid. Okay, okay, so he was reading the Bible. No, 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 no. He was setting fire to heretics. Oh. No, oh, yeah. no, I'm kidding. Oh. He was just very religious. Very religious. So anyway, okay. uh, uh, Applewhite went to Corpus Christi to go to high school. So we're just jumping past his entire childhood here. <laughs> yes. Uh, where apparently nothing happened because I can't find anything about his formative years. Go ahead. Um, after that, he went to Austin ah. uh, to go to college at some point. He joined all the clubs, all of them. <laughs> uh, well, maybe not all of them, but a lot of them. Okay. Uh, Wikipedia now helpfully says that he was moderately religious. Oh, so he's, he's toned it down. He's toned it down. Okay, yeah. So uh, anyway, he studied philosophy at Austin and got into religion again. Ah. Yeah. So in 1952, at 21 years old, Applewhite goes to seminary to learn to become a minister. Great. So well, yes. Two paragraphs in, and we're 21 years into his life. Yeah, I know. It's, it's not fair. It's not. It's not fair. Whatever. Anyway, while there, he met a woman named Ann Pierce and got married. Good. They had two kids in seminary. Applewhite was not doing well. Okay. He didn't seem to like it much, and this is indicated by very subtle behaviors uh, recorded uh, in uh, his many biographies. Subtle behaviors such as leaving seminary in less than a year. Uh oh. Yeah. Okay. So what's a guy to do? Uh, video games. Uh. Play video games? Uh, sure. Yeah, okay, I, I sure. Don't know. <laughs> that, that, they had them? They, they didn't have them back then. Yeah, they did. Nope. Oh, you're right. You buffoon. That's a communist lie. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, well, you've got a family to feed, right? So you've got to work somewhere, right? I guess that's true, yeah. Uh, so that's what Apple White does. Good. Taking a job as a music director at a Presbyterian church in North Carolina. Sure. Somehow he was not drafted in World War II. But he was drafted in 1954 at 33, which is kind of okay. weird. Okay. He served two years in Austria and New Mexico. <laughs> we invaded those countries? Yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, but anyway, when he finished up there, he decided to go back to college. Mm -hmm. So Applewhite got himself a master's degree in music with hmm. a focus on musical theater, which is kind of interesting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, after graduating, he tried to start a music career, but, you know, like, no. So <laughs> when he failed that, he decided it was time to take a big bite out of the Big Apple. And moved to New York City oh, to try again, shit. to try to start a musical career in New York City. Yeah. Because it wasn't happening in Texas. Anyway, that's where we're going to leave him because that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what, what do you say we just go right into Mor Garrett Morgan's early life? Let's do it. But first, uh, we're going to beep this out because I have to clear my throat. Okay. <laughs> and go. And we're talking. We're talking. <laughs> We're talk. We're talk. <laughs> and we we're, talk. And we're talk. And we're back to We Talk About Dead People. And when we left off, we were talking about uh, Applewhite's early life. Yeah. Now we're going into Garrett Morgan's early life. Take it away, James. Okay, well, we shall begin our story of Garrett Morgan by journeying back in time to the good old war of northern aggression. <laughs> 
Now, our business with this here war is with Confederate General John Hunt Morgan. Oh! Uh, General Morgan was a good soldier and a good general, and is most famous for his so-called Morgan's Raid. Okay. Which was in direct violation to the orders of his superiors. Okay! <laughs> yeah. uh, so it turns out Confederate General Braxton Bragg, <laughs> uh, which is the most Confederate name. Oh, yeah. Uh, so General Braxton Bragg told General Morgan not to cross the Ohio River to go into Northern Territory. Okay. So what does General Morgan do? Uh, shoots a man and takes his tea. Uh, kind of. <laughs> well, he gets his boys together and they defy orders and cross the Ohio River oh. into Union territory. Okay. Uh, and then General Morgan and a couple thousand Confederate boys pillage parts of Indiana and Ohio. Okay. Steal some jewels from a Freemason lodge. That's random. And then I'll get caught by Union militia and gunboats and sent to POW camps. Oh, <laughs> uh, with the jewels? <laughs> no, he, he was a Freemason himself and he returned the jewels. Oh. When his, when his guys came to him. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Okay. Anyway. So General Morgan did manage to escape the camp, though, okay. along with a few other Confederate officers. He joined the Confederate army again and then was shot and killed by some Northern cavalrymen. Okay. Yes. Uh, <laughs> as his famous Morgan's, as for, uh, as for, as for as, his. Uh, his Morgan's raid, it actually cost the Confederacy a lot more than what was gained. Okay. Although it was the furthest north any Confederate soldiers ever made it in the war, which is kind of cool. No. Uh, so now, why are we covering this dude? Yes, what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, it turns out that General Morgan owned some slaves. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and he ended up having a baby with one of the slave women. Oh, uh, God. Mm -hmm. uh, this baby was named Sidney Morgan. And eventually, Sidney Morgan married an ex-slave named Elizabeth Reed. This was some years after the Civil War. Okay. And these two lovebirds eventually had a son, our guy, Garrett Morgan. All right! So Garrett Morgan was born in Claysville, Kentucky on March 4th, 1877. That is an interesting heritage, I will tell you Yeah, what. I mean, he's a he's the grandson of a failed Confederate general. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so Garrett grew up in Claysville, Kentucky, and went to school all the way through sixth grade, uh, but that was it. Okay. So he never had any sort of official higher school education, okay. so just remember that when we get to some of the things he did later. All right. Anyway, at the age of 16, Garrett decided to move to Cincinnati, Ohio. Cincinnati. 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 <laughs> Cincinnati, Ohio. Goddamn Russian spy over here. <laughs> Shit. Uh, Cincinnati, Ohio, in order to find employment. Okay. So, in Cincinnati, Garrett found work as a helper to a landowner. Don't hmm. know what that means, but, okay. uh, Holy shit, there's blood all over my leg! What the fuck? What the fuck? What are you talking? What happened? I don't know. What Jesus! What? what did you do to yourself? I don't know! Okay, for all the listeners out there, James has apparently suffered, like... Sweet Jesus, looks there's like he got lot of sliced blood. by a katana. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, I'll stop the recording. Yep. <laughs> or James will do it. You're getting blood everywhere, you <laughs> fuck. Shit. And we are back to this completely disastrous episode of We Talk About Dead People. Yeah, well, uh, nothing a little duct tape and chewing gum won't fix. <laughs> well, where were we? We were in Cincinnati? Cincinnati! Okay. Yeah, uh, okay, so, um... Uh, at the age of 16, Garrett decided to move to Cincinnati, Ohio, <laughs> in order to find employment. Okay. And here he found work as a helper to a landowner. Uh, and he, he used this money to actually hire, hire a tutor, so I completely <laughs> lied about his education <laughs> earlier. Liar. Uh, Garrett did have a tutor who helped him continue his studies, mm -hmm. but still, this isn't school or whatever, so it's still very impressive yes. later on. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mm. Uh, well, that's probably a good place to stop for now. Okay. But when we come back to Garrett's still life, uh, we'll see where the road takes him. But stay tuned, oh! because the later story includes such things as a stampede of polar bears, what? Apache attack helicopters, a talking daffodil, and the Illuminati. I know you're joking about all of those. Kind of. 
Maybe. We'll stay tuned to find out. <laughs> yeah, well, I say we just roll right over to Marshall Applewhite's adult life. Yeah, we've taken a lot of breaks so far. Yeah, for, um, we really have. Yeah. Um, it's medical issues. <laughs> medical issues. So anyway, Marshall Applewhite's adult life. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we left old Marshall, he was in New York City. His whole life up to this point had been kind of everywhere. He went to seminary to become a pastor, dropped out, became a music director, got married somewhere in there, got a master's degree in music to start a music career, failed to start a music career, and moved to New Donk City to eat shrooms with Mario. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, okay. okay, so he's in New York, but they're basically yeah. the same place. Sure. Uh, then he moved to Colorado. Uh, okay. And then Alabama uh, for oh. a teaching job. Huh. Yeah, anyway, the next thing that happens is that Applewhite discovers he's gay. Uh, or maybe he knew it already. I really don't know. Okay. But what is the well, most honorable way to conduct yourself when you discover this? Um, explain it to your friends? No, cheat on your wife. <laughs> so oh, that's gosh. exactly what Applewhite did with a student from the university that he was teaching at. Okay, that's... that's so he's not... fired. <laughs> he doesn't tell his wife why. Uh -huh. Then somebody tells his wife his wife why yeah. uh, that Applewhite was into apples as oh so white. Oh, so she God. divorces him. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it's 1965. Oh. He's divorced. Yeah. No career. Sure. Right. And when I say 1965, what do you think of? Uh, I think of a bunch of hippies stealing my milk money. <laughs> Good! So now jobless and wifeless, Applewhite moves to Houston, Texas to teach at a Christian university known as the University of St. Thomas. Okay. Here he was well received by students, many of them noticed, noting that he was a very stylish man. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> which is kind of random. Sure. So he was the chair of the music department there, which I don't know how you swing that immediately after getting fired for having an affair with yeah. a student. But okay, whatever. Sure. So he was also singing at an Episcopal church while being openly gay, which, you know, if you've got to go to church and you happen to be gay, that's probably the safest spot for you. And this is the 60s. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, it must have been pretty difficult to be openly gay in a Texan Christian university in yeah. the 60s. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, so mm -hmm. so uh, while being an openly gay man, yes. Apple White starts dating a young woman. Uh, oh. Uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> the next thing that happens is her parents are like, uh, yo girl, this dude is gay and cheated on his wife with a man and made her call off the relationship. Uh, or, I'm yeah. so, my emotions are very confused. I know, yes. I know. It's hard to know what to feel. Yeah. Um, but this doesn't make Applewhite very happy. Sure, right? this, yeah. Her parents made him call off this relationship. Right. Or whatever. Meanwhile, he's allegedly sleeping with another male student. And uh, he's aware that it's about to blow up again. So what's a guy to do? I don't know. Quit your job, obviously. Well, okay, yeah. fine, so fair it's seven, enough. It's seven, 1971. He's 40 now, by the way. <laughs> In 71, Applewhite moves to New Mexico to work at a deli. Sure. Then he moves back to Texas, <laughs> like a year later, Okay. Um, at which time his dad dies, oh. and Applewhite just hits the floor, man. Oh. So depression has already been setting in after his many failures and wrongdoings, sure. uh, and when his dad died, he was basically sent to the abyss of emotional apathy. Yeah. So he starts running out of money, and he's got to borrow from, from friends and things like that. Yeah. It's not a good place for a 40-year-old man. No. And no. they didn't even have wholesome memes back then to bring him <laughs> back from the brink. <laughs> but a year later, Applewhite makes a friend. Good. Her name uh, okay. is Bonnie Nettles, <laughs> and she's a nurse. Cool. Who is also a theosophist with an interest in biblical prophecy. Ah. Yes, <laughs> theosophy. It's still around in the 70s, and if you want to learn more about philosophy, go listen to our first drunk episode on Helena Blavatsky, the founder of theosophy. Yeah. That episode was sponsored by our wonderful patron, Cato. Thank you, Cato, you magnificent bastard. Yes. So anyway, Applewhite is friends with this Bonnie Nettles, the theosophist. Right. And this isn't such a bad thing. I mean, really, the guy is struggling. Having a friend <laughs> is a good thing. Yeah. Uh, anyway, they got super close, and mm -hmm. the two concluded that they were such good friends, they had to be friends, had to have been friends in their past life. 
Oh. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, it's been, the, they just got through the 60s, we're into the 70s, there's new agey crap. Yeah, out okay, there. sure. Yeah, so yeah, everyone's yeah. like, oh, we had past lives and things like that. We were friends then. Yes, yeah, sure. Yes, exactly. So, <laughs> uh, so she revealed to Marshall yes. um, that she had actually seen this coming, too, uh, because space aliens told her so. <laughs> What the hell? Uh, I know. So, together, Bonnie and Applewhite developed lots of theories about all kinds of things, particularly astrology and divine visions. I'm not surprised. Yeah. (laughs) But at this point, I'm still like, okay, but at least Applewhite isn't killing himself. That's true. He's not drowning in depression. He's got a friend, right? Right. So, right now, it's kind of like, not, you know, too... Too bad. Does it gets worse? Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah this uh, is right. Okay. <laughs> so Bonnie had a vision, uh-huh. and one of these visions convinced Marshall Applewhite that he was basically Jesus. Not exactly <laughs> Jesus, but mostly Jesus. <laughs> okay. So um, Applewhite moves in with Nettles, and it's not sexual. Oh, oh I see. Right? And that's actually a cornerstone of their whole relationship. Sure. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Um, she, so she's basically a mother figure for him at this point. Okay. Right? And she's yeah. also a mother figure for uh, her two kids. <laughs> oh. That's right. She's married and has this guy just move in off the street. Uh, so this causes some marital trouble. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> her husband divorced her soon after and took the kids with him, which, you know, good. Uh, yeah. If you know anything about this story, you know that these kids being around Apple White is not a good thing. Yeah. Uh, r- rather. Sure. Yeah. 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 It's good they got away from him. Yes. Now. It, now. Okay. <laughs> so anyway. Because he's. Oh, God! Mark that, you fucker. <laughs> anyway, around this point, Applewhite completely cuts himself off from his family, like you do, yeah. uh, when you're undergoing a mental revolution like this. Mm. Uh, I mean, for real, that's what people do. <laughs> okay. So, not pretty. Yeah. Uh, so these two astrologist prophets are living together and helping each other become even more delusional than they were before. Excellent. Yeah, so they open a bookstore deceptively entitled The Christian Art Center, uh, which carried books from all different kinds of religions, uh, but mainly spiritual and new agey type shit. Okay. Cool. Anyway, so they're, you know, people walking to a Christian bookstore are probably looking for Christian books. Yeah. <laughs> and if they can't find any, they're probably not going to recommend your store. Sure. So the business fails in less than a year. Oh. Uh, but that's okay because it's time to hit the evangelism trail. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's right. Other- oh, oh, God, James, why do you I'm do this? I'm sorry. I have to edit all this shit out. So, Apple, White, and Nettles pack all their shit to go on tour through the West, but remember, these folks are basically penniless. Yeah. So along the way to pay for gas and food, they do odd jobs and sell their blood. Okay, sure. Uh, yep. Yeah. So sometimes they don't pay their bills. Uh-huh. Uh, they're living off of rolls. Uh-huh. They managed to convert one person in the space of two years. <laughs> Not so great. And it was one of their friends from home. So basically us <laughs> minus one generous Norwegian, a few Adams, psychopaths, and Sith lords who pay us <laughs> to do this shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're basically the same thing. Yes. Anyway, so Apple White and Nettles read together. Mm. They, they like read together. The reading sessions. Yes. Yeah. Uh, some of these writers include St. Francis of Assisi, which, okay, cool, and Helena Blavatsky! Oh. Go listen to the drunk episode, you lovely fucks! They also studied the Bible in that wrong, prophetic, William Miller kind of way. Mm. William Miller episode, everybody. <laughs> yeah. Uh, where you're using Bible stories and other scriptures to predict things. Oh. Mm. This convinces Nettles and Applewhite that they were chosen to make these prophecies occur, like, for real. <laughs> uh, they also concluded that they were way smarter than anyone else, which, you know, when yeah. you think about it is kind of sad. Yeah. Uh, like, for real sad. I mean, imagine being that deluded and imagine the isolation that oh, comes God. with that. Like, Jesus. Yeah. Anyway, so they, uh... They write this pamphlet 
that says that Jesus is coming back, like right now, and uh -huh. he's gonna be a Texan. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, might be talking about Applewhite there, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, another thing they do is conclude that they are the two witnesses mentioned in Revelation, or if you're Catholic, Apocalypse. Uh-huh. Uh, next, they decide that the Bible says that these two witnesses will be taken up to heaven by spaceship, which, you uh -huh. know, it might, if you read it that way, like a kind of dopey mule of a person who can only see <laughs> things one way. Yeah. So, of course, this has a culty name for it. Yes. Just like the system with David Berg oh, and everything. No. It's called The Demonstration. <laughs> <laughs> and remember, they're telling people this shit. Right. And people are not buying it. Good. Uh, not yet. <laughs> shit. <laughs> so, in 1974, Applewhite was arrested for what amounts to car theft. Uh, okay. Uh, the story here is that Applewhite rented a car and didn't take it back to the rental station because he believed he was divinely authorized to keep the car without paying for it. Oh. <laughs> so, in jail, uh, he thinks a lot about space aliens and things like that, writing some of this yes. down and probably babbling to Andy Dufresne about it. Yeah, that's oh. a Shawshank Redemption joke, everybody. Oh, right. yep. Anyway, he gets out and rejoins Nettles, and the two decide it's finally time to phone home. Yes. And yes, that's an E.T. reference. And yes, it's exactly <laughs> correct, because at this point, Applewhite and Nettles believe they're actually space aliens. <laughs> they decide it's time to get the aliens on the horn and start trying to devise a way to do so. Uh, at this point, they're actually starting to accrue followers, uh, mainly Ow. mainly from like people who believe in UFOs and that kind of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, they, uh, and, yeah. and new agey types. Sure. So they call their followers the crew, as in the crew of uh, a uh. spaceship. Yes, this oh, will come up no. later. Uh, so Nettles and Applewhite start referring to themselves as Guinea and Pig. And I, I think I think Applewhite being gu being Guinea and Nettles is pig. <laughs> what the hell? Which you know, rude. <laughs> yeah. So their little cult at this time is called the Anonymous Sexaholic Celibate Church. What? Which what the fuck? What the hell is that? <laughs> the name is soon changed to the Human Individual Metamorphosis. <laughs> what? Okay. Yeah, it's better. Right. It's right. a step up. Sure. Right, right. So Applewhite believed that space aliens had visited Earth a long-ass time ago and dropped off some other people to populate the Earth and would be back later to collect the best of the bunch. Sure. Yeah, so... Yeah. Oh, and remember that thing about phoning said space aliens? Yeah. Yeah, he figured that one out. And it's ingenious. He built a giant phone... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He decided that the aliens were talking to him through episodes of Star Trek. Whoa, wait, no! Yes, for real. Oh, no. For real. <laughs> for real. So... Oh, dear God. <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. So in 1975, Applewhite Nettles <laughs> went to some New Age groups in California. Like I said, New Age types and UFO yeah. leaders. Uh, and they, they, so they're in California. Okay. Uh, and they got about 25 people to join the crew, and shortly after got about another 30 people from Oregon. Sure. Uh, at this point, the news notices, <laughs> and people start paying attention to this weird little group that kind of popped up out of nowhere. Yes. So also, Nettles and Applewhite were uh, calling each other... Now, they were calling each other Bo and Peep. So it went from guinea and pig to Bo and Peep? Yes, yes. Ah. And they saw this as because they were, like, shepherds tending their flock of, like, 70 people at this point. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so they instructed their followers to renounce the following. Mm. Friends and family. Oh, so they're telling their followers to get rid of these things? Yes. Oh, shit. Friends and family. Oh, God. <laughs> the media. Oh, no. Uh, which, okay. <laughs> well, yeah. All, all drugs and alcohol. Well, that's shitty. Jewelry. Beards. <laughs> And sex. Uh, yup. Wow. Okay. Which is funny because that's basically what I did when I became depressed. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Wow. Mm. Except for the alcohol part. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh, fuck. My computer just fucked up. Oh, shit.
They were also commanded to rename themselves a name from the Bible. Okay. Uh, which makes little sense because Applewhite thought religion was lower than whatever the fuck he was peddling. Uh-huh. Yeah, he kind of had a real problem with religion. They're, they're kind of, yeah, they're not very religious. They're more like Trekkies yeah. on, a, <laughs> on a cocaine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but anyway, yeah. so they got all got to get names from the Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, but that changed too. Hmm. Uh, the followers were soon forced to adopt names that ended with the sound Odie. Odie? And uh, begin with three consonants. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah, so you get joyous names like Rakodi and Jmodi and Vadi, which I hate saying. That sounds like Welsh. Uh, yeah, actually. Uh, anyway, so this little group basically camps all over the West, trying not uh, not trying to get more followers, okay. actually, yeah. um, and not even growing their doctrine. Sure. <laughs> right, so these people are just kind of there in these camps like, you want to talk about doctrine? Nah. Okay, you want to get new followers? Nah. Okay, so we're just going to, what, sit around here and not drink and not have sex and, like... Not grow beards? Not grow beards? <laughs> like, oh, that, that sounds like fun. So it's yeah. stagnation, uh, at least with the followers. Uh-huh. Uh, however, meanwhile, uh, Applewhite and Nettles are having their own private, like, theory-developing sessions about yeah. space aliens and other shit like that, including the belief oh, that no. they were going to be assassinated in accordance to their interpretation of the prophecy of the Book of Revelation. Okay, well, this yeah. looks promising. So, Applewhite has a materialistic outlook on the Bible, which essentially means he thought it was a record of aliens coming in contact with humanity in the past. <clears throat> okay. Oh, and like I said before... <clears throat> He didn't like Christianity. Sure. Uh, which, you know, do with that what you will. Okay, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. So anyway, around 1976, Applewhite and Nettles changed their names again. So, okay, so let me get this straight. It, it was Guinea and then Pig mm-hmm. and then Bo and then Peep. Yep. And now it's Doe and T. <laughs> D-O-T-I. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, and I think it's from, you know, that song from The Sound of Music or something, but I don't know. Sure. Anyway, he's he's on record. Applewhite himself is on record uh, saying these names are bullshit, and he knows it. <laughs> well, he's not even following his own rules. No, the, the OD or whatever. No, no. Yeah. Um, so that same year, Applewhite and Nettles prophesied an alien visit. Good. Went to Wyoming to see it. Nothing fucking happened. <laughs> and Nettles announced loudly that the aliens had canceled on them. Sorry, bro. <laughs> uh, so the group then split up into groups that Applewhite referred to as star clusters. <laughs> There's some of that cult speak. Uh, weird <laughs> shit. It kind of reminds me of the weird language the Maoists were using during the Chinese Revolution. Yeah. Like yeah. counter-revolutionary or I'm dying of hunger. Why did we kill the farmers? <laughs> yep. So from 76 to 79, the group lived in the Rocky Mountains and Texas, uh, just camping all over the place. Cool. Uh, Nettles and Applewhite started to increase their grip that they had on their followers by becoming much more strict about how they conducted themselves. They were like scheduling them and yeah. things. Uh, and a lot like David Berg, uh, uh. the two of them hardly ever directly interacted with their followers. Huh. They instead sent them letters and shit like that. Okay. Uh, one of these letters stated that Nettles and Applewhite were never wrong and that questioning them was treason. Mow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's so, never a good sign. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like a little, little mow over here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so Applewhite starts coming up with pointless tasks to keep his followers good and docile. Hmm. He calls these tasks games. <laughs> <laughs> Not much about them, but people seem to like them. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so somehow they got a bunch of money in the late 70s, uh, and so they rented some houses in Dallas and covered all the windows for maximum secrecy. If I know anything about fortified houses in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> 
So they began scheduling every follower's daily beha behavior down to the minute. Oh, God. Yeah. So, and on Wikipedia, it said minute. And I was like, no, no, it's better when you say down to the minute. Yeah. yeah. So they're scheduling, like, everything that they're doing. Jeez. Um, however, followers were reminded often that they could leave at any point and that the cult would even give them some money so they could take care of themselves. Sure. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So, like, because usually cults, when they cast you out, you're, like, worse than the enemy. Yeah, well... Kind of what I was thinking of, and th this of course is not a cult, but Scientology <laughs> has that weird kind of thing where once you're in it, it's so hard to get out. <laughs> I'm not saying it's a cult. Yeah, it's, Scientology. It's like a, it, well, no, it's totally not a cult. It's a television show. <laughs> like for real. Like Star Trek. They, they got their own show now, everybody. That's true. Their own channel, actually. Yeah. Which is nice and should provide some many hours of joyous watching when they start making movie originals and yeah, TV yeah. series and things. Oh, uh, so. so, but okay, in the 80s, Applewhite loosened up a little bit. Mm -hmm. He let people call their families in 82 and oh, let them good. visit their mothers for Mother's Day in 83. <laughs> That's like the basic human thing I to know. Do. <laughs> so also in 83, Nettles lost her eye due to cancer oh, and then God. died two years later. Jeez. I know. So she's gone. Yeah. Right? And this is big. Uh, oh. So Applewhite is now in complete control of the cult. Yeah. Um, and he announced that Nettles had, quote, traveled to the next level because she had, quote, too much energy to remain on Earth. Okay. Which is exactly what David Miscavige said about L. Ron Hubbard. Oh, jeez, you're right. Yeah, so um, he taught that Nettles had left her human body, traveled by spiritual flight to a spaceship, <laughs> and assumed a new alien body, uh -huh. which doesn't have any sex organs, so there's that. Uh -huh. uh, but of course, Applewhite wasn't like good with death, and he got really depressed again. Uh -huh. uh, to help him feel better, he holds a ceremony where he marries his followers. All of them, collectively. <laughs> okay. But it's, again, not no that sex. creepy, because they're celibate. Yeah. Um, but also kind of creepy because what the fuck? <laughs> right. So anyway, um, Applewhite started encouraging his followers to think of him as the Christ. Mm. So now he's literally Jesus. <laughs> but he also believes some interesting thing, things about Jesus that are worth mentioning. Okay. He believed firstly that Jesus was an alien who came to Earth, was killed, and went back to his spaceship. <laughs> Hooray! Yep. He also believed that Jesus was a precursor to Applewhite, which is to say, as an alien, he came back to retrieve humanity, but found it too corrupt, so he held off and returned as Applewhite to try again. Oh, shit. So he's yeah. saying he is Jesus. He's saying he's Jesus. Wow. Oh, yeah, there it is. Motherfucking Jesus right there. Yeah. Uh, he also argued that political correctness was the work of Satan, which, you know, yes. That's <laughs> true, yes. <laughs> so in the late 80s, they were still relatively unknown, mm, right? Yeah. Uh, they were sending some materials out, but not much, um, and they weren't really making waves. Yeah. However, in 1992, Applewhite recorded a 12-part video series, which was broadcast by Satellite, and got some new converts to join up. Oh, no. But they didn't stay long, because it was stupid. <laughs> yeah. So their numbers dwindled to 26. Good. So, yeah, 26. They were, That's not a lot of people. Yeah. So Applewhite's got to do something to staunch the wound, right? Sure. Yeah. So he spends $30,000 to publish a full-page ad in USA Today about the end of the world. Oh, God. Their numbers take off again. Yeah, okay. Doubling, in fact. Whoa, so. 52. I know. Whoa. So Applewhite takes the next logical step and leaps onto the web, where he is trolled right back off the web. <laughs> Around this time, he changed the cult's name to Heaven's Gate. 
which is the name of a shitty cowboy movie starring Christopher Walken that delusional film professors actually think is secretly great. Uh, uh, of course they think everything is shitty is actually secretly great. <coughs> Persona! <laughs> Anyway, oh, yes. I hate that fucking movie. <laughs> you can bitch at me all you want. It's not good. <laughs> so in 1995, they did what all cults do and finally built a compound, oh, no. which they called the Earth Ship. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was made of mostly tires <laughs> and reclaimed wood. And it, uh, it worked until winter when it got too fucking cold to live among the rubber and lumber. <laughs> what the hell is going on? <laughs> no. So they moved into normal homes in San Diego. Ah, so back good. to California. Yeah. Uh, now remember, this cult is no fun. No drugs, no alcohol, no sex. Especially no sex. And Applewhite really wants to drive this point home, so he drives to Mexico and gets himself castrated. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> well, he brought six other dudes with him who did it, too. Oh. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, I know. So, that's enough, though. <laughs> of yeah. Marshall Applewhite for now. Just enough. <laughs> so, Jeez. Yeah. So, uh, your take so far. Um, well, he... He sounds like, uh, Captain Kirk... Who's lost his mind and also his dick. Uh, yeah, well... <laughs> kind of. Yeah. But also Jesus. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, what do you say we take a break? Uh, yeah. Okay, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking about Garrett Morgan's adult life. And we are back to We Talk About Dead People, which is a refined history podcast coming to you from the UK. I like to whisper because that's how most European podcasters seem to do it. So here we go! <laughs> We're loud Americans! <laughs> fuck the rest of the world! Unless you have oil. Yeah. <laughs> and then we will fuck you. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay, that's not even like, okay. Well, I want to be clear, we're joking, but not really. <laughs> yeah, I, I was going to say uh, that little bit about uh, Marshall Applewhite and his community living in tires and pieces of wood. <laughs> that's ba for, for those of you who are not Americans and who have never been here, that's basically America yeah. in all 50 states. Yeah, yeah. Just people living in tires and wood and talking about spaceships. <laughs> Well, that's at least that's at least California. Well, yeah, that's true, and and probably a little bit up there in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and Chicago. Come to think of it, yes, yay for us. So, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, Garrett Morgan's adult life? Okay. Well, well, right. when we last left Garrett Morgan, he was working in Cincinnati. Oh, God, I don't know. Okay. Oh, uh, but this will soon change. Yay! It actually changes right now. Okay. <laughs> in 1895, Garrett moved to Cleveland, Ohio, and began repairing sewing machines for a clothing manufacturer. Okay. What is it with you, Cleveland? <laughs> It's Cleveland. I know. Come on. So he's in Cleveland. But I live here in Illinois. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, okay. Cleveland. All right. Yes, Cleveland. So he's in Cleveland, and he's doing what? Uh, well, he's getting married. Oh! Uh, but then he gets divorced. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, anyway, so while working as a sewing machine repairman, Garrett uh, became more and more fascinated by how machines work. Cool! And you know what? By golly, these damn sewing machines need improvement! That's right! Thus, Garrett's first invention was a belt fastener for sewing machines to improve stability and production. Okay. And consequently, for the next few years in Cincinnati, Garrett became pretty well known around town for being brilliant with machines and able to fix pretty much anything. Oh, good for him! Yeah. Okay. And, uh, and Garrett's fame around town and skill eventually gave him the resources to start his own store. Oh! And in 1907, he opened up his own sewing machine and shoe repair shop. Nice! Uh, now, 
Now, a quick note here. All right. Remember that Garrett is an African-American. Right. And it's 1907. Yeah. In the Midwest. Okay. Uh, now, we don't really have the details on whether or not Garrett had issues starting and owning his own shop for racial issues, but I'm guessing he did. I'm guessing, yeah. Uh, so just, I don't know, remember that starting and owning a, sh a shop may not sound too big for us these days, but for a black man in America in 1907, this is a pretty big fucking idea. Uh, yeah. This is huge. Yeah, this is big. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So, uh, it seems Garrett actually understood this as well, because the next year, in 1908, he helped found the Cleveland Association of Colored Men. You're doing it to piss me off now. <laughs> Cleveland's Associate... Cleveland! Oh, God. Okay. Cleveland. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, so Garrett just keeps on doing really well. Good. He and his new wife uh, expanded their business circle in 1909 by starting a new store named Morgan's Cut Rate Ladies Clothing Store. Okay. And this store sold all sorts of coats, suits, dresses, and such, and it employed 32 people. That's so great. He's, he's moving up in the world. Yeah. But Garrett wasn't happy. Oh, no. Up to this time, he, he hasn't really been able to pursue his true passion, which is inventing. Oh. Uh, but this all changed in 1905 when we went back in time. Okay. <laughs> uh, when Morgan decided he needed to make a liquid that could be used to polish the needles of sewing machines in order to prevent the needle from scorching the fabric. Makes sense. Uh, now, there's some good news and some bad news with this. Okay. The bad news is that one of the test liquids Garrett made did not improve the sewing machine needles. Okay. The good news, though, is that through a freak accident, oh. Garrett... Garrett did discover that this liquid did an excellent job at straightening hair. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So what did Garrett do? He became a piece of asparagus in the wasteland. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> but he also started a new business. Good. He launched the G.A. Morgan Hair Refining Company that marketed hair straightening liquid, black hair oil dye, and hair straightening combs, which he invented a couple years later. Cool. Now, things are going really well for Garrett. He's got several successful businesses, is active in his community, actually becomes the first black man to own an automobile in Cincinnati, wow. and although he does eventually divorce his first wife, which I said earlier, yes. he has married another woman named Mary Ann, and the two have three sons. Oh! But then something happens. Oh, no. A fire. Shit! Yeah, so thankfully the fire doesn't affect any of Garrett's stores, but he does witness it. Oh! And as he's watching this fire, Garrett notices that the firemen are just miserable and dangerously close to choking to death on all the smoke. Huh. So seeing this, Garrett decided that something had to change and that he's gonna make something that would allow firemen to breathe in smoke-filled buildings. Okay. So this is before any sort of gas mask or breathing utensils. Right. Uh, <laughs> utensils, <laughs> not the right noun, but it's fine. apparatus. It's sure. Anyway, so long story short, Garrett invented and built the first smoke hood. Okay. Uh, this device used a wet sponge to filter out smoke and cool the air around the fireman's face. Wow, okay. Uh, also, Garrett studied the attributes of smoke and saw that smoke naturally rises because it's hotter than the surrounding air. Thus, Garrett placed a series of tubes on the gas hood that ran to the floor in order to draw in the cleaner air near the ground. Wow! So this isn't a gas mask. He doesn't have, like, a, a storage facility with clean air. It's just bringing the air from the ground up, mm -hmm. cleaning it through the sponge, and then making it, you know, safe to breathe. Wow. Cool. Yeah, uh, so um, he got a patent for the device in 1912 and founded a new company called the National Safety Device Company in 1914 to market his mask. Good! 
But unfortunately, there's a problem with Garrett's sales tactics. Oh no. This man is brilliant, hardworking, has several successful businesses, just created a device that could literally save thousands of lives, and is eager to show it to the world. Okay. The problem? Uh. Garrett is black. Uh. And white America is not too eager to adopt a new creation made by a black inventor. That's so pathetic. Yeah, it is. And it only gets worse. Oh shit. So Garrett knows this, uh, and he, come up, he comes up with a few different sales strategies to market his product. Okay. The first strategy is this. Just hire a white guy. Oh, God. Uh, and this happened on several occasions. Garrett hired a white actor to, pre- to pretend to be the inventor and to show potential buyers the potential of the gas hood. Okay. Which is really shitty. Yeah. Because Garrett doesn't get any of the fame or credit for being the world-changing inventor. Okay. And to make matters worse, the sales tactic doesn't even work that well because the potential clients wanted to see the mask in action. Of course. Yeah. Uh, so Garrett comes up with a new strategy. Okay. And what is a hated minority supposed to do in order to be accepted on the national marketplace? Uh, I don't know. I'm not even going to make uh, a Pretend to be a different minority what? that isn't hated quite as much, of course. Uh, oh. <laughs> so Garrett starts trying to sell his device by t- pretending he's an American Indian. Oh. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, That's it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Garrett created this fake persona whom he named Big Chief Mason. Oh, God. Who was from an island Indian reserve in Canada and was here in the States to show Americans his invention. Wow. And it doesn't stop there. Oh. Uh, so during these demonstrations for the smoke mask, Big Chief Mason set up a teepee and then built a fire inside of it and burned all sorts of things, uh, allowing smoke, tar, sulfur, formaldehyde fumes, and even manure fumes to fill up the entire teepee. Oh. Uh, Big Chief Mason then put on his mask, entered into the teepee, stayed there for about 20 minutes, and then emerged completely unharmed. Oh, wow. And the sales strategy worked pretty well. Yeah, uh, I could see that. Yeah. So there were other gas hoods at the time, but Garrett's was simple, effective, and quick and easy to put on, mm-hmm. while the others were usually huge and heavy, difficult to equip, and very unreliable. I see. So Garrett starts selling his gas hoods, is awarded the patent, and is also awarded a gold medal by the International Association of Fire Chiefs, Oh! because his device basically revolutionized the art of fighting fires. Right! Like they could now be in the fires. Right, right. Yeah. Uh, So Garrett later added a new addition to the gas hood, which allowed the carrier to hold up to 15 minutes of clean, fresh air, making it from a gas hood to a gas mask. Nice! Uh, And in World War I, the army did plan on using Garrett's gas mask, but ended up using a different mask for all sorts of other reasons. Alright. But regardless, it's unknown how many lives Garrett's mask saved, but it's no doubt a huge number of people. Right. Yeah. Oh, good. Now, let me back up just a bit. Okay. Because even with Garrett's interesting sales strategy, his gas hood uh, a gas mask wasn't known on a national level until 1916. All right. And why this year? Well, on July 24th, 1916, some miners and engineers were digging a tunnel under Lake Erie. Oh, God! Uh, during the excavation, somehow an explosion went off, oh, shit. collapsed the tunnel, and trapped all of the workers deep underground in a pitch-dark, stony nightmare. Jesus. Uh, rescue teams were quickly sent to the entrance of the tunnel. The first rescue team began their descent, and then hours passed by. And then more hours passed by. (laughs) Oh. And then the people above ground realized that this rescue team was not coming back. Oh, shit. So a second rescue team was sent down. 
and after several hours of tense waiting, everybody knew that the second rescue team had also failed and its fate was unknown. Okay. So think of how fucking terrifying well, that's that is. horrifying. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so seeing this, one of the rescuers above ground figured out that the engineers and rescuers were probably succumbing to the overwhelming smoke and fumes in the tunnel. Okay. Uh, and it just so happens that this guy had also seen a, one of Garrett's demonstrations for his new smoke mask. Okay. Uh, so this dude immediately sends a messenger to Garrett who arrives in the middle of the night, wakes Garrett up, tells him about the situation, and tells him to bring all of the masks he has. And Garrett immediately jumps up, calls his brother Frank, and tells him to join him, picks up four of his own gas masks, and hurries to the tunnel. Okay. Uh, Garrett arrived at the scene still wearing pajamas. Oh! Because he hadn't even spent the time to change into normal clothes. Wow. Yeah, so Garrett is with his brother Frank, and he has the four gas masks, and proceeds to try and give them to the members of the rescue team. Okay, great! Except, oh. the rescue team members all refused to take the masks because they're skeptical of the devices, and also they had just seen two groups of the team members descend into the abyss and not return. Right. Uh, well, wait a second. If yeah. those guys are dying, the rescue teams are dying, Yeah. then the miners have to be already dead, right? Well, okay. there, there wasn't much information on this, okay. but... I think some of the areas of the tunnel were had safer air to breathe. I see. But they were stranded in those safer areas by these toxic fumes and, and you know, collapsing infrastructure and whatnot. Right, right, right. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, um, so what does Garrett and his brother do? Right. They put on the masks themselves, along with what? two other guys who volunteered, wow. and the four men descended into the collapsed tunnel. Sweet. Yeah. Remember that Garrett's just this inventor? Yeah. You know, no experience right, rescuing right. people. He's in his pajamas. Uh, and he's also 40 years old. So, sometime later, Garrett comes climbing out of the tunnel with his gas mask on and carrying a survivor on his back. Oh my god, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, his brother Frank also had another survivor on his back. Okay. And seeing that the gas masks worked, the rest of the rescue team took turns putting on the masks and descending into the tunnel. But our hero Garrett didn't stop there. What? He voluntarily made four rescue trips down into the tunnel to rescue the guys down there. Uh, in the end, all of the survivors were rescued. Wow. Uh, unfortunately, some of the men who had trapped did die, uh, but the gas mask allowed the rescue team to recover all of their bodies along with finding the, the trapped men who were still alive. Oh, great. So it would not have happened without the masks. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. So here's Garrett, whose bravery and invention literally just saved dozens of men who otherwise would have surely died. And what happens next? Fame and glory! Well, Cleveland's newspapers and city officials completely ignore Garrett. What? Not to say that the event wasn't covered, because it was, uh -huh. uh, and the Cleveland city officials had uh, had the Carnegie Hero Fund Commission issue several medals to the rescuers who had helped Garrett, but Garrett himself, he doesn't get anything for quite some time, uh, because he's black. Of course. Yeah. Uh, and God forbid the city award and thank a black man for saving the lives of otherwise dead workers. Right. <laughs> anyway, if it sounds pissed off, I am, because racism sucks, people! <laughs> anyway. Okay. Uh, so thankfully, though, the city eventually did recognize Garrett's he heroism. Yay! Uh, in 1917, tons of citizens of Cleveland came together and presented Garrett with a diamond-studded gold medal oh, for his actions. Badass! Yeah. And also after this event, fire departments from all over the country immediately requested Garrett's smoke masks, since they had seen how well how they functioned in the disaster. Right. Makes sense, yeah. Uh, Garrett was also given a medal from the International Association of Fire Engineers, uh, oh. which also made him an honorary member. Cool! Yeah, he, well, again, he revolutionized the whole firefighting thing. Right! Yeah. But we're not done with him yet. Okay. Uh, he still has one more huge invention that would change the world for good. 
Now remember, it's the 1910s in America, and automobiles are quickly becoming the new big deal for transportation. Right. But this means that people are having problems figuring out how traffic works because you now have a clusterfuck of pedestrians, bicycles, animal-drawn wagons, and cars all trying to use the same roads. Right. I, wa I watched a film a little while ago of just a, a electric tram in, like, the 1910s and 20s yeah. going up a street, and it's just absolute chaos. Oh, God. One, everybody's wearing a suit and a hat, which is kind of cool. <laughs> That's good, yeah. All the women are wearing these big freaking dresses, and, you know, they're flowing in the wind and shit. Yeah. But then, there's just, like, all different kinds of vehicles. You got people on horses, on donkeys, you got a cow pulling a wagon, God. you got a dude buzzing around the tram on a bicycle. Industrial Revolution, that's the right word. Yeah. Yeah, so. Or Waco, Texas. Or Waco, Texas. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, um, so because of this this clusterfolk on the, on the clusterfolk uh, on the roads. Uh, clusterfolk? <laughs> well, it's a lot of folk They're clustering right. the roads. Oh, God. Uh, so because of this, several uh, companies and inventors started playing with the idea of traffic signal signs because the amount of accidents were just going through the roof. Sort of like we need virtue signaling signs these days. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right. So one day Garrett was just walking down the street when he saw a terrible accident between a car and a horse-drawn carriage. Oh, Jesus. Which I don't even want a picture. No. Well, he decided that something needed to be done. Okay. Uh, now, at this point in time, policemen were usually relied on to direct traffic in intersections, right. but this method was becoming outdated for obvious reasons. Right, 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 right. Uh, so traffic lights were soon invented to solve the problems of intersections, but these lights didn't have a yellow light. Of course it not. It was just green and red, uh, which did help the situation some, but not enough. Because yeah. it's just, go, stop! Oh, go, yeah. stop! If I was driving, I would be like, I would be dead. I rely on That's the yellow true. light so much. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. So, uh, in 1922, Garrett basically invented the yellow light for traffic signals and was awarded a patent in 1923 for it. Good! Uh, now, Garrett is often given credit for inventing the slow down stage of traffic lights, and he kind of was. Alright. Uh, but there was also a guy named William Potts, who was a policeman in Detroit, and he also invented a three-tier traffic light that allowed a period of slowing down. Right. But regardless, both men's inventions revolutionized the way that intersections work, uh, and Garrett eventually sold the rights of his traffic lights to General Electric for $40,000. Okay! And with that, I, uh, I think we'll slow down and then stop <laughs> with Garrett's adult life. <laughs> Fuck off! Because of the yellow and then the red light. That's how and we're back. We talk about dead people, and when we left off, we were talking about, uh, Garrett's... What's his first name? I forgot his first name. That is his first name. Oh. Like a dumbass, I refer to most of my characters by their first name. Okay. And I've actually been doing that for, like, the last 20 episodes. Oh, fuck. We have to delete them all. Shit. Okay, so wait. Don't what? tell. So it's Garrett what? Yeah. Who? Right. Of course. Yeah. Anyway. Yes. Well, uh, but, uh, so his, his first name's Garrett. What's his last name? Morgan. Morgan. Oh, that's right. Because yeah. I love that name. Yeah, and it was the name of that Civil War general. Yeah, yeah. He so kept Garrett names. Morgan. What a badass fucking name. I know, right? So, let's go right into Marshall Applewhite. Speaking of not-so-badass names. Yeah, Marshall Applewhite is super yeah. not that yeah. badass. Yeah. All right, so, this is his end in death. So, yeah. So, uh, so everybody, buckle in. We're going to have some death here. Shit. Quite a lot of it. Um, oh, no. So, when we left Marshall Applewhite, he was getting his white apples marshaled off in Mexico. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> 
<laughs> and now he's in Rancho Santa Fe, California. It's 1996, and the space aliens are coming, James. Oh, okay. Uh, the cult puts together a couple of videos saying that the end is coming and people ought to get on board. Uh, around the same time, people are looking for a comet called Hail Bop. <laughs> yeah. Hail Bop! Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so Applewhite, looking up to the heavens, had the revelation that following the comet was a spaceship. Oh. And on that spaceship was his dear friend Nettles. Oh. She was coming for him! Shit! It was really happening! Oh my god! I know! Wow. Now, interesting thing about Nettles. Yeah. Was that obviously she pulled Marshall Applewhite out of a hole, yeah, right? True. And then put him into another one. Yeah, um, also true. Which they kind of dug together. But yeah. even when she was dead, Applewhite still referred to her as the father. Oh, like, wait, okay. Because that's what he called her. Yeah. He called her the father, and he used uh, uh, he, him pronouns yeah. when talking about her. Huh. Which is really interesting. That um, is interesting. But also, I couldn't I couldn't discern the reason for that exactly. But the point is, like, he thinks that Nettles is like almost like Jesus 2.0. Yeah, right. Got so it. even he kind of worships her in a way. And she's on a spaceship coming back. Right. So cool. Uh, in 1997, the group became completely isolated and recorded videos of themselves uh, saying goodbye to the planet and uh, also expressing hatred for Mother Earth and its citizens. Okay. So Applewhite then, yeah, because they're just this deeply resentful cult. Yeah, right? they sure. Just, they really hated, like, almost everything and everyone. Right, it's just a bunch of Tumblr kids living in the woods. <laughs> <laughs> So, Applewhite then convinced his followers that they had to commit suicide in order for their spirits to be freed up to join uh, with Nettles on the spaceship. Yeah. Uh, so, many of the members dressed in Nikes and black uniforms. Oh, those pictures. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on the uniforms were patches that read, Heaven's Gate Away Team. Ew. I know. Ew. But isn't that, isn't that sort of, like, pathetically optimistic? Yeah. Like, like we have an awake, like it's a joke almost. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're, they're trivializing suicide. It's, it's weird. It's really just... It kind of, it kind of gave me pause, and actually, the end of this story really does because it's sad. It's, it's like, it's not yeah. just like, oh god, look at those stupid cultists. You're like, wow, I can actually resonate with this, with this nihilism. Right. I can resonate yeah. with this pessimism about the planet. Yeah. Um, and you know, the, huh. the end of the, well, I can't remember who said it, but the end of pessimism and nihilism is suicide. I can't remember who said that though. Yeah. And I'm probably butchering it, so it's just me saying it. <laughs> Um, yes. But anyway, so yeah, when I was reading this, I was kind of like getting sad. So yeah. over the course of three days, members took a mixture of barbiturates and alcohol and pulled plastic bags over their heads and then just kind of drifted oh, God. away. God. Yeah. Applewhite himself was among the last to die. Sure. He had three assistants help him commit the deed, who killed themselves shortly after. Uh, in 97, Applewhite was dead, and he took almost 40 people with him. Jeez. And this was the biggest suicide cult since Jim Jones. Yeah. At that time. Yeah. So, uh, not really much to say about his legacy, really. It's just kind of a tragedy. But yeah. here's something eerie. The Heaven's Gate website still exists. Oh. And it looks like it was around 97. Oh, God. And the last thing that was posted was a head the headline, Red Alert, Hail Bop brings closure to Heaven's Gate, followed by a farewell message. Oh, that's creepy. You can go read it. I don't like that. Yeah, no, and it, it looks like a 90s website. It is creepy as fuck. Jeez. Like, like if somebody did a creepy pasta or something about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, but it's real. It, but it's real, exactly. Yeah. So, if you want to be kind of chilled, go read the website. Unfortunately, the website is not as well developed as I'd like, which is to say it doesn't have much literature from what they, you know, what they do and that sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, but just lots of, like... You know, this planet is is stupid, and, and, you know, our bodies are merely vehicles for our souls, and once our souls are freed... And that was actually part of why, um, that's part of why Applewhite castrated himself, was he believed that sex was 
like a major connection to being sure. human. Right? Yeah. And so the idea is to transcend. And that's why that where that word hmm. uh, uh, metamorphosis comes in. Yeah. Because at first they were saying, oh, we're gonna we're gonna the the call of the cult was change yourself into a better version of you, basically. Yeah. And then it became change yourself into something that's not a person. Ah. So, hmm. you know, kill yourself, free your spirit, go to the spaceship, get a new alien body, and, you know, go to, go to planet heaven. That's yeah. not a, They believe there was a planet heaven, too. Mm. So, anyway, I kind of want to read this, uh, this farewell message from the website. Oh, yeah. Um, so, here we go. So, whether Hale Bop has a companion is not irrelevant from our perspective. I don't know what that means. Uh, however, its arrival is joyously very significant to us at Heaven's Gate. The joy is that our oldest, uh, older member in the evolutionary level above human, all those capitalized words, yeah. uh, like Kingdom of Heaven, uh, has made it clear to us that Hale Bop's approach is the marker we've been waiting for, the time for the arrival in, of the spacecraft from the level above human, all caps, to take us home to, quote, their world, end Ugh. quote. Uh, in the literal heavens, mm. right? For our, our 22 years of classroom here on the planet Earth is finally coming to a conclusion. Quote, graduation, end quote, from the human evolutionary level. So they're graduating, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we're happily prepared to leave this world and go study with T's crew. Mm. If you study the material on this website, you will hopefully understand our joy and what our purpose here on Earth has been. You may even find your boarding pass Ugh. to leave with us during this brief window. Ugh. We are so very thankful that we have been recipients of this opportunity to prepare for membership in their kingdom and to experience their boundless caring and nurturing. Ugh. Yeah. Hmm. So if you want to, I mean, I don't even know where to begin with that, really. No. But like, shit, man. That's dark. Well, um, yeah, I think you were kind of onto something earlier, is that we've studied quite a few cults on this. Yeah. And in so many of them, I'm thinking of like Jim Jones and mm -hmm. David Berg, where... The guys are scoundrels, and yes. they do things like, you know, sexually abuse other people yep. in the cults. Yep. And by the end of the story, you're cheering against them. Like, yeah. these guys need to die because yeah. they're scumbags. Yeah. But with this, it's more just a tragedy. It's yeah. like... I, and who knows? There, there are probably things going on. It's a cult, after all. Right, right. But it's not... It doesn't seem as evil as whatever it's else. different yeah it's totally different from something like david berg at least from what i read i mean i could be completely ignorant on the topic right I'm just a guy with a mic for fuck's sake <laughs> yep um but like when i was reading it it felt completely different like the report was sad it was like hmm. damn these people really really worked themselves into a hole and the only sure. way out was death and it's like you know the symbolism of their language you know, we laugh at that. We think it's funny. We think it's weird, you know, kind of weird yeah. and kooky and whatnot. But, like, when you replace those those silly words with real words, mm. like like sadness. Yeah. Or, like, when they're talking about um, a boarding pass to, yeah. you know, the new kingdom. Like, that's suicide right there. It's like, <sighs> you know, when you look at it and it's like, oh, God. Oh, God. It's not even, it's not even funny. Not like David Berg. No, no. But, um, anyway. So, yeah. Uh, that's that for uh, Apple White, and I say we move into the much happier Garrett Morgan's end and death. Yeah, he's a little little better than uh, Apple L White. Little better. Yeah. Little so better. Uh, when we last left Garrett, he was changing the world with his cool inventions and pulling engineers out of collapsed tunnels. Hooray! Uh, speaking of the collapsed tunnel story, though, uh, it turns out that although his gas masks did work during the rescue attempt. Uh, the prolonged time that Garrett spent in the tunnel's atmosphere did have a terrible price on his lungs. Oh! Uh, and from then on, Garrett's health was just a steady decline. Okay. He also later developed glau glaucoma. Okay. Uh, and in 1943 was proclaimed functionally blind. Oh, shit. 
But this didn't stop him from fiddling with machines and making new inventions. Good for him! And his last invention was a self-extinguishing cigarette, which had a small plastic pellet full of water placed just before the filter. Oh, that's awesome! I really want to try it! (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, but sadly, Garrett Morgan died on July 27th, 1963, at the age of 86. He is buried in Lakeview Cemetery in Cleveland. But he did last a while. 86 is not, oh, yeah, nothing yeah, to be for sure. you know, laughed at. Yeah, and he had an amazing life. Yeah. Uh, and he left behind a huge legacy. Right. Um, besides, you know, the lives that his gas masks and traffic signals saved. Okay. Uh, he had other things, too. Uh, in Cleveland, Ohio, the Garrett A. Morgan Cleveland School of Science, as well as the Garrett A. Morgan Water Treatment Plant, have both been named in his honor, which Good. is kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, there's also an elementary school in Chicago named after him, okay. as well as another school in Kentucky. Uh, he also has a few streets all over the country named after him. Oh, and he was also included in the 2002 book, 100 Greatest African Americans. Cool. So that's pretty cool. That's big, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and to finish, uh, I think I'll share some uh, some of his quotes. Oh. These, these are actually the only two quotes I could find from him, uh, but here they are. Okay. If you want to do something, then be the best. Okay. And if you can be the best, then why not try to be the best? Yeah, why not? So just be the best, people. Yeah, be all you can be. Dream for the stars. Uh, <laughs> it sounded like know. the beginning of like a 90s instructional video. Yeah, it did. Like right. a Heaven's Gate instruction video. Uh, well, I yeah. say we head to the surface. I think so, too. Yeah. All right. All you right. have your boarding pass? <laughs> <laughs> So what are you going to do for the rest of the day, James? Uh, I'm going to make a sandwich and name him Sanford. Sounds great! Yeah, what are you doing? (laughs) You know the answer to that question. Look deep into your heart and know the truth. No. That's... that's impossible! It is not impossible, for it has already begun. Oh oh my god! Yes, it's true! I'm going to space! Well, I think it's time to bring the show to an end for today. Feel free to send all your hate mail to we talk about dead people at gmail.com. We will read all of it or not or not and not along. <laughs> if you hate us, you're probably right. If you like us though, please consider funding the show by becoming a patron on patreon.com. That's patreon.com slash we talk about dead people. Even as little as a dollar, as much as it costs to buy. Um I don't know. Well, to pay the Secret Service to keep Lord History away. Oh. Helps tremendously. Shit. Our cover art was created by the extremely gifted Ian Patterson of Ian Patterson Illustration. You can view more of his phenomenal work at www.ipattersonillustration.com. With all that being said, we'll close out with the sounds of Lord History losing Play You Out.
полет враг поселый, он будет пить посуду и петь. Тогда нашлось водителей торцоры, и полета посохнут на воде. Гребя огнем, сверкая блеском стали, пойдут машины, карты, поход. Тогда на свой пошел товарищ Сталин, и первый маршал бой на память. 